Hello, and welcome to the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host this week, Becky Morgan, and I'm here with Jeff Kasouf, founder and editor of the Equalizer. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. How are you, Becky? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. We have a lot to talk about today because there is uh, there's some relevant news that's happened this week with the U.S. women's national team and more specifically some of the injuries that have been plaguing them for the past year or so. Uh, to start with, let's talk about the midfield. On Tuesday, Kat Macario announced that she would not be included in selection for the World Cup after facing some repeated setbacks in her recovery from tearing her ACL last June. And even though she has played extensively, I know people are going to be like, well, she's a forward. But even though she has played extensively as a nine for the U.S., she has also played as a tenor attacking midfielder. So I think she's relevant to the discussion. And then on top of that, the same day, O.L. Rain head coach Laura Harvey said that Rose Lavelle's knee injury might keep her out of club matches ahead of the World Cup, which is definitely a worrying development in and of itself. And then we also have like Lindsay Horan still not in superb form after her lingering knee issues. Sam Mewis is completely out of the picture after playing a big role in the last World Cup. So this is a pretty different midfield than the one the U.S. probably thought they were going to have going into Australia and New Zealand. What are your thoughts on all these developments? Well, it could be different, right? I mean, I think that's the thing that somewhat infuriatingly, probably for fans, certainly for you know, everybody talking about it, I would assume for Vlakonanovsky, it's, it's, I don't know how much the conversation has changed so much as it's evolved and shifted. I mean, we've spent most of the past year talking about players who are injured, coming back. Some of them have come back. Some of them are now in that injury list, whether they're major or, or so we're told minor, you know, the, the Rose Lavelle injury was, you know, surfaced in April during those Ireland friendlies. It was told to us as a minor knock. Um, you know, look, I, I mean, covering this team for 12, 13, whatever years, like I've, I've heard minor knocks before that haven't been. And obviously, you know, we're here now where if it looks like from what we've seen Laura Harvey say and, and what signs are pointing to that, you know, that this might be precaution where, you know, Rose Lavelle doesn't play in the NWSL again prior to the send-off game on July 9th. So that would be a full three-month layoff, right? So, um, you know, not unprecedented for the team who's been dealing with plenty of injuries, not unprecedented necessarily, although this this amount of time, yes. For her, I mean, 2019 going into that World Cup, there were some issues with, with her hamstring and she ended up playing all but one game and, and won the bronze ball and was spectacular, right? So, you know, there's at least maybe that history to lean on, but you know, the Macario news, I think you probably felt like was coming, but is a is a blow for the team for, you know, for her, obviously, to, you know, have maybe had uh, a World Cup this early in her career. And it's what's expected to be a, a very long and successful career. So, you know, I, I don't know that it's I guess we don't know if the midfield is going to look that different. Right. Like we could get to the opener against Vietnam and it is some version of Lavelle Haran, maybe Ertz, maybe Sullivan, right? It could look pretty much exactly like we've sort of been thinking it might look for several months, but we're really not going to be able to know for sure until 
really we get to right before that game or at that game because there's just so much uncertainty throughout this team really on the injury front and and the form front which you know we'll get to and you know you brought up Julie Ertz that's probably the most positive story of the midfield by far for the national team you know for fans it definitely seems like it kind of came out of the blue that oh she was she's healthy and not only that but like raring to go and doing well but obviously the national team has had their eyes on her for an extended period of time. How important is it and how critical is it that she is is back and, and playing to bolster this midfield going into the World Cup? Well, look, again, I mean, I think it is in theory, right? Like this is the thing uh, you talk about sort of the the conversations and ideas that have sort of swirled around this team, this midfield specifically for the past year plus and and her absence filling that void that she left that you know as as one of the best players in the world when she was active and healthy previously you know a, a void that's really was going to be impossible to fill so you know the fact that she's back i think it says a lot of things in terms of you know the the need for her the inability to replace her which i don't think is is necessarily anybody's fault um given the caliber that she's at and and what that expectation would be. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a big deal. Is it, is it a major positive? I mean, I, I think it's, we're still at the stage. She's only played three league games, right? So she's got the potential to play a few more, let's call it based on what looks like, you know, a little bit of a, a rest rotation. And then obviously this past weekend, she was out with what was described as a thigh injury. So, um, or she was questionable and didn't play. So, you know, we've only got a few games of evidence. I don't know that those three games have really swayed me in any direction to say, Mm -hmm. you know, she looks absolutely ready. She doesn't look ready at all. I think she looks fine, but you know, if I don't know that she looks necessarily ready at this moment, I don't think we should expect her to look ready at this moment. The point that we've, we've said for some time now is, you know, we're sort of this window keeps shrinking to get to that point. And it's always just, it was always going to be this race against time. So, you know, what is she going to look like in, in six weeks is really the question. And I think that's going to be ultimately probably among a lot of decisions that are going to come down to the wire, probably the big gamble for Vlakoninovsky. If it, if it plays out that way, is she the starting number six and, and you're making that bet based on, I know what she can be. I don't know if she's quite there or, you know, uh, she just, you know, she doesn't strike me as, she is not a player that you're necessarily bringing off the bench as you would a, you know, a forward who can change a game in 20, 30 minutes, right? She's somebody who's going to come in and, and you would hope you want her to dominate a game for 90 minutes. So uh, I think that is probably, it, it feels like everything is pointing that way. And then the question becomes, you know, physical fitness, she's, you know, she's been beat up even in her sort of healthier days, you know, quote unquote, before that, obviously the Olympics, she was played, significantly and and entered that with an injury so you know i I think that there is is quite a bit of um again just just quite a bit of a question mark in terms of what that's going to look like and i don't think you know hopefully we'll see some more from her in the coming weeks with angel city but but i don't know that we'll have a great answer you know i don't even know if we'll get it against vietnam with respect to them if, if that's where we first see this play out but you know the netherlands game that that'll be probably the first most significant test. And so you're talking about Ertz getting back to fitness, but I mean, that's really the question across the whole team 
isn't it? The, there are just all these question marks in terms of fitness. So like even the players that we know are going to almost certainly be on the plane like Lavelle, we just have no idea what form they're going to be in. We don't know if Ertz's form, you know, like you said, what little we've seen of it so far is sustainable. And then also, you know, players like Megan Rapinoe, you know, how, how fit is she? Tierna Davidson, Casey Kruger coming back from injury. You know, there's so many players that are question marks just in terms of form and fitness right now. And it seems like this is really a much higher number than we've ever seen going into a major tournament like this. Am I wrong in that? I mean, because I can think of like Abby Wambach breaking her leg ahead of the Olympics. Um, Rampone had an MCL. I don't remember if it was a tear, just an injury ahead of a World Cup. But has there ever been like this significant number of players that have either been completely removed from a tournament due to injury or just be in questionable fitness status? Uh, not that I remember, not not in the past decade, no. I mean, there's always, everybody always deals with form, you know, potential injuries. Um, the scale of these, the volume of these, I should say, is is significant, more significant than than I recall. And yeah, I mean, I think to your point, like, again, I mean, I use the term gamble and, and there's a lot of work that goes into it. It's not a guessing game necessarily, Um but but you are sort of hedging bets. You are making some gambles. You are investing in people, you know, in certain ways where you have to sort of predict how things might play out, which is is coaching in a nutshell. But obviously, the the number of uncertainties here uh, is significant, and and the fact that you know we know form matters, right? So you know, you mentioned you, know, you wrote a, a great piece about Savannah Demello this week, and I think anybody watching. Anybody half paying attention can see that she's been on fire, you know, and in a way that can translate in a way that the U.S. team might need. She has a versatility where suddenly we're talking about, well, you know, maybe there's a question at the six. Maybe there's a question at the 10. You know, the, the versatility can be helpful in, in roster selection. And the only thing she doesn't have that that Flacco-Nanofsky has also said, maybe not as recently or frequently, but you know, when this whole sort of transition of the entire generation of the team started year and a half plus ago, you know, it was, he, he spoke, I mean, I spoke with him personally about, he wanted a certain number of caps for these players, for most of these players to have before the World Cup, um, you know, it was a couple dozen roughly to to be ready for that moment that they're not going into a World Cup with no experience. And she has zero, right? So, should that be, should that keep her from going to the World Cup if she's very much in form, has proven that she's, you know, up to the task? I don't know, but we've only seen it once before. That was Shannon Box in 2003, a player with no caps named to a World Cup team. So just by that alone, I mean, that's 20 years ago and the only time ever. That's, that's rare air. And there have been midfielders, though, you know, as, as hot as DeMello is, there have been other midfielders who have gotten you know, at least some caps under their belt. Taylor Korniak, who is, again, recovering from an injury like everybody seems to be, even though she did finally um, get some minutes this past week. And then, of course, Sam Coffey, who is is making a pretty good case for herself as well. What do you think the likelihood is that one of these kind of surprise players could surprise people and and get on the plane to Australia, New Zealand? Because as you've said, and as, you know, Vlatko has operated so far it just doesn't seem like it's 
kind of in his wheelhouse in his style to pull someone in at the last second even someone who may have had a few caps and hasn't had them for a while you know he seems to be pretty set on keeping the roster as consistent as it can be yeah i mean corniak was i think a a surprise maybe you could say if if you're looking at league form certainly at that time a pleasant surprise in terms of that was a a case of a follow-through on that statement so you know, Korniak is still relatively new. I would say entered into this sort of phase of of this team rebuild a little bit later than some of the rest of these players um, at, at large, rest of the 23, let's call it, that went to qualifying. But yeah, I mean, to answer your first question, I think one of them is going, whether we call it a surprise or not, you know, I think DeMello would probably be the biggest surprise just because she hasn't been in the picture at all other than a you know, a call up in the camp without seeing any game time once in September. And that was an injury replacement. So I do think we'll see one of who you named most likely, but I don't think we'd see multiple just in the sense of, you know, if everybody's healthy, like part of this conversation, if you're not worried about the health of all of these surefire starters, players, you know, you're relying on, Yes, they could get hurt, and you need to plan for that in tournament. But you maybe have a little bit more of an ability to take a luxury player, if you want to call them that. And I, I don't know if that's a totally fair term to Korniak, but certainly you know, part of her appeal beyond her ability on the ball is versatility in a number of ways. She's six foot one, tallest player in tallest field player in program history. You know, that can be chasing a game. You need a target to whip in crosses to. That could be closing out a game. We saw that play out exactly in the CONCACAF final where, you know, you want to go to a five-back bunker in. you got a big body back there to to clear anything when the opponent is doing the, the whipping in of crosses and trying to just find an equalizer. So, you know, that is a benefit. You have to weigh that against, like, what, what are the other sort of risks that, that you're taking and what are the other certainties? And when you start having this number of uncertainties at, you know, places where you thought you were set, and, and just uncertainties in terms of health, even you have to maybe sort of reassess exactly what you're looking at. So I think it's tough to say who it is right now, but I think certainly we're going to see one of, you know, maybe, maybe DeMello's the long shot because she hasn't been in it. You've got Korniak, you've obviously got Christy Mewis fighting for a spot, versatile there as well. Ashley Sanchez sort of has been that number two or, or second number 10, I should say. Um, so, you know, I think, you've got four players right there who are, I don't think all four are going right. And is that two of them? Mm-hmm. That sounds right, but you know, we'll see. Oh, that's all very interesting. And right now it is a good time to take a short break. So we will be back in just a moment. And when we come back, we will talk a little bit about some of the other lines, the back line and the front line, and maybe even the goalkeepers stick with us. We are back and we just spent a lot of time talking about the midfield and, you know, places where some players might surprise people and slot in. Let's talk a little bit about the attacking pool, about the forwards, because, you know, there are some questions there. I I think that most people probably thought a year ago that we would have a front line that, you know, heavily featured 
Sophia Smith, you know, she's still doing great and looks to be going, but also Mel Swanson and Katerina Macario. And now two of those players are, you know, completely out of selection. U.S. still has some obviously great attackers. I mean, Alex Morgan, there's a ton of them, but there's still potentially room for someone to slip in and surprise people. I know I've heard the name Alyssa Thompson a lot, and she has come in and, you know, had a couple caps, and she's obviously playing very well for Angel City. Do you think that there's a chance that a player like her might uh, be able to jump on the roster due to some of these injuries? Oh, Thompson, absolutely. I mean, I think she's as it stands going right uh, with, with Swanson's injury, it's, it's your most like for like swap. You know, I think the, the question, the big question is going to be what's the starting lineup look like in Swanson's absence, because you've got sort of your, you know, you could say, well, just swap in Trinity Rodman, keep it a four, three, three on the wing. And I think we're probably looking at a version of that, but you know, You've also got now, you know, you've got to get Smith, Sophia Smith and Alex Morgan on the field. They're both very good sort of as central strikers. This team has not played a two front in a long time. You know, the, the four, four, two days of 2015, even that shifted at one point, but um, you know, it's, it's been a while. So I don't know what the like for like is if if that's what we're looking at on a starting lineup front, but certainly I think the way Thompson has played, the way she's played individually, um, and and what she's shown in terms of an ability to sort of take over moments to be confident, we've seen Vlako Nanovsky comment on that directly. Um, you know, I, I think that to me, she is and and has been on the plane. I mean, look at she got she was on the plane at halftime when you know minutes after, you know, shortly after Swanson was injured in that yeah. Ireland game and got there for the second match. Right, so there's an indication in itself, but you know, from what she's done since then um, in, in her league play, I, I think is, is pretty clear that, you know, she's, she's an, the replacement for Swanson for this world cup. And then what are your thoughts about Ashley Hatch and, and her stepping yeah. in? Well, look, I mean, again, Hatch is, I, has been filling this role of the second mm-hmm. number nine behind Morgan, mm-hmm. you know, plays that role very differently. I, I think, um, you know, I think has has honestly struggled a bit in the national team setting. Certainly in 2022, I think had some good moments this year, and obviously at the right time. And and I think you know, to be fair to her, club and country this calendar year, I think she's been very good. Um, you know, yes, obviously some goals from the penalty spot with the the spirit in terms of speaking to pure numbers, but you know, has been able to find the combination play with Ashley Sanchez and Trinity Rodman, um, and and really, you know, your options. With Kat Macario out, and and that was always sort of the, the interesting thing was going to be, you know, before Morgan came back into this team late spring last year, Macario was clearly shaping up to be the number nine, but she plays it as, you know, at least was playing it at that time with the national team as this sort of this false nine almost. And, and it allowed her to really combine nicely with Rose Lavelle, some, some great combination play, let the wingers get high and invert. Um, it really complimented a lot of people around her we're not going to see that obviously um so now you've got you know you have morgan who is in great form in 2022 remains in i would say very good form anyway um for for 2023 and then you know brings an experience for one obviously and i think i mean i've said this for years but you know i don't think i think people because of her celebrity 
and and just people kind of know who she is. They know she scores goals, right? That she's not necessarily appreciated for something like check down play. I always reference the the 2019 quarterfinal against Spain where she got beat up. Like those are things that she does that that don't necessarily go noticed or credited on a stat sheet, but that I think are not necessarily replicated with anybody else in that role. So then let's move on to the back line. And there are a a lot of questions about how exactly that's going to play out as well. We've seen in a lot of ways, Emily Fox moving to the right and Crystal Dunn playing on the left. Um, Huerta and uh, Kelly O'Hara have also come in and played as adder backs. And then we also have Casey Kruger, Tierna Davidson coming back from injury in the center. And then we've had Naomi. And then also we have Becky Sauerbrunn has also been out with a foot injury. So there's just been a lot of swirling players. Um, oh, there's been a, a decent amount of rotation along the back line as Latko has been trying to figure out who he actually takes with him. So what are your thoughts on the back line? Who do you think is going to make it on the plane? Definitely. And who do you think is going to have to still fight for a place on uh, the roster? You know, I, I think the the back four is really a place where there's been more certainty, uh, more clarity. You know, Becky Sauerbrunn's the captain, clearly, you know, being leaned upon by Vlako Nanovsky. Um, I think it, there's there's no argument beyond Emily Fox and Crystal Dunn being sort of the clear fullback starter. Certainly, certainly no argument that Vlako Nanovsky sees them as the starting fullbacks. I mean, I think that's that's been made pretty clear. Um, and and part of the luxury there is both can play on that left side. Both have the ability to go both ways you know, to, to get forward, to track back. And, you know, as, as we've talked about too, with Emily Fox, a bit more even of a, an, a, a propensity to kind of drift inward and underlap, be sort of an added number in midfield rather than strictly just a fullback who overlaps. So, you know, I, I think then the final question really, and I guess I'm speaking the starting lineup here anyway, is, you know, is, is it Alana Cook or Naomi Gurma next to Becky Sauerbrunn? Um, I think that'll be the question to monitor as we get to, you know, the opener and, and maybe the send off match, but you know, then, yeah, I mean, to the roster point, I think there were, there's some interesting decisions to be made on, you know, I think the final fullbacks you've got, you know, a a few competing, obviously you've got Emily Sonnet, who's sort of, um, she's been playing this number six role for the rain. So, you know, it's hard to sort of assess her in the moment because she's likely being looked at as a center back or fullback in the depth chart. Right. Um, and then you've got Sophia Huerta as a, as a right fullback. You've got Kelly O'Hara who brings the experience. So, you know, I, I think likely, I mean, again, we'll have to see the numbers game that gets played, but it, it's likely that one of the group just named probably doesn't make it. And, uh, you know, not, not a cop out. I don't know who that is right now. Sure. I mean, I think, as I said, I think the starting lineup is, is relatively clear. I don't know exactly where Vlako Nanovsky is on, on who he sees as the best depth options beyond that. 
So in the last few minutes we have left, let's uh, let's spend a little time on the goalkeepers because while there hasn't necessarily been injuries in the goalkeeper pool, there are definitely some big question marks. Um, a listener hasn't necessarily been playing badly, but you know, the Chicago red stars really not doing well. AD French has had a, a very, very bad run of form recently, which is very unfortunate. And, uh, you know, I, in my opinion, she's very possibly, if not certainly played herself out of the world cup roster. So do you think it's likely that we're going to see Kingsbury rise up and become the third keeper? Do you think that Alyssa Nair, I mean, I, I think it's pretty certain she's going to stay the first keeper, but what are your thoughts on, on what's going to happen with the goalkeepers heading into the world cup? Yeah, I think it's, it's rather suddenly a point of concern. Um, I, you know, none of the really, it might be harsh to say none, but the current pool which if you look at how it's been narrowed down is really for a while now been Nair, Murphy, right? And and that was sort of a one-two jockeying, which throughout that I think remained really Nair as the number one. And and then the third spot being sort of, you know, it was a bit more open a year ago maybe, but it was really French and, and Aubrey Kingsbury. And Kingsbury maybe of that four, of that group is the most in form and she doesn't necessarily have the experience. And I don't think she's going to just jump to the number one spot based on, again, I'm, I'm thinking how the coaching staff might be thinking. So I think that there's some concern there. Yeah. I mean, you identified it. I mean, I think the, the change there, maybe if there is one is in that third spot and maybe it's Kingsbury now based on league form, because, um, yeah, I think we've, you know, I think there've been some concerning moments, you know, some of these teams playing, some of these keepers are on teams where what's being, you know, what's happening in front of them defensively is concerning and that's a role and a factor, but individual moments for them too have been have been a bit rough. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out in about a month or so when the roster comes out. Uh, But that's about all the time we have for today's episode. Thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on and sharing your thoughts about the national team and the roster. We'd like to thank our producer, Jacqueline Purdy. And for The Equalizer, I'm Becky Morgan. We'll see you next time.